Hey everyone, this is Gavin. Hey everybody, this is Todd. And I'm Craig. Hello and welcome to the Majors Messor podcast, episode 127. We're back again, although this time we don't have Craig. The reason for that is because we told him on the last episode we were going to have a break for a while, which was true, and it still is true. But then we had somebody respond to uh, a request for an interview, and we recorded the interview and didn't want to disturb him because he doesn't work well like that. You'd have to give him weeks in advance. So <laughs> we left him alone, and Kelly is filling his boots today. Hello. Did you put the L delay on that? I was on mute again. Sorry. Mute again. That's happened before during interviews. I know. Uh, Ryan Toby. Yeah, Ryan Toby. Yeah, geez. Um, Actually, it's funny you mentioned Ryan Toby. He's mentioned in this interview. We'll get to that in a minute. He is, actually. But, um, yeah, um, and we got Todd as well. Hey. Now, it's funny. We did this interview, and it was supposed to be all three of us, but, like, on the day, unfortunately, Todd had... Uh, something he had to tend to so we couldn't do the interview so me and Kelly did the interview um, but Todd's with us now for the intro and the outro and the interview is with Kel Declan Bennett Declan Bennett now if you're from the UK you may well know who he is if you're from the US you might know who he is but he's bigger in the UK so we'll explain we'll explain to you now because our listeners may not know who he is he is a singer-songwriter slash actor um, and he's performed. He's performed in like on the West End and on Broadway. Um, he's been in at, at one of the most popular um, soap operas in the UK, EastEnders. Um, I'd say it's like the the rival to Coronation Street. And I I yeah, watch it's it really. Like yeah. One of the main yeah, yeah. shows, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I watch it religiously as well. Um, and then he was also in like I first discovered him like twenty years ago. He was in a he was in a boy band like a pop slash rock boy band called Point Break, and. Um, I mean, as far as boy boy bands go, they were they were pretty decent. They were dif- different from the rest. They didn't really do harmonies. Um, their music was like, like I say, it was like a, had a rocky edge to it, and uh, it was more. I would say it was more cool. It was more cool to like you. W- it, it wasn't embarrassing to say you listened to Point Break, because w- <laughs> when when they were out, it was because like, you got the like the Backstreet Boys and Westlife and stuff, and they're like doing all the ballads. Point Break never did that. It was always like the heavier stuff, um, and yeah. I, I I used to I used to listen to him back then, so that's why I first discovered him then. And then he went on and he, he had some solo music out and stuff, and he's still doing solo music today. And honestly, his songwriting skills are incredible. Like I put him up there with Ed Sheeran as far as songwriting goes. Like his, his songs are really good. And and this interview we did, we got to talk to him about that, and like it was just nice to talk to him about songs of his that I really like and appreciate, and then hear the stories behind them as well, which was really fun. We also obviously discussed his, his days in Point Break, which was fun uh, to talk about. And then we, we had a chat with him about EastEnders. And Kelly asked him a very interesting question, which we're going to talk about now. <laughs> um, because it's going to confuse people when we get to that part of the interview. And it's important that you understand what it is. So, Kel, what did you ask him? 
I asked him about the duff duff moment, didn't I? She asked him about the duff duff moment. Do you know what a duff duff is, Todd? Well, I, I have a, a, a few ideas, but you may want to <laughs> may want to tell me so I don't go in the wrong direction. Okay, so first of all, is there a soap opera in the US? Like, I guess that's the question. <laughs> is there a soap opera in the US? Oh, absolutely. They've got a soap opera that's been on since like the 1950s. Okay, what, what's it called? Well, you got General Hospital, you got Guiding Light, you got, uh, oh, geez, there's a bunch of them. Days of Our Lives, that's, is that one? Days, Days of Our Lives, yeah. I think Dallas. it's still on. Dallas, Dallas was on, and but yeah. Who, who shot JR? <laughs> yeah, we had exactly. who shot Phil Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> no, he really did. No. There, was, there was a storyline who shot Phil Mitchell. It was fantastic. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it actually, it's like in football, it's like the equivalent to um, the Super Bowl. And that got delayed. It got put, pushed back for kickoff time. Just so you could see the ending of who shot Phil Mitchell on the wow. soap, on the brilliant. TV. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So f- <laughs> fuck JR. It's all about. Yeah, it's all about. Phil it's all about I PM. Can tell you, people would fucking riot in the US if you delayed the Super Bowl for a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the UK is like. They love their soap operas, and the thing I like about the UK it's soap like a operas. Show, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's just like it's it's raw. Like it's exactly. It's not. I've I've seen some US ones and they're really like, you know, they're all dolled up in makeup and they look they look amazing and it's that's not real life. Whereas like EastEnders and Coronation Street, it's it's very much that's what life is like. I mean, obviously some of the storylines are over the top, but the way people look, it's that's it. That's what they look like, and that's what I like about it. And as we discussed in the interview, like talking about EastEnders, like um, it was big for me, or a big thing for me because I moved obviously from the UK to Canada and like. I needed that connection, and I ended up. That's when I picked up watching it. I'd seen it before, but I, I wasn't. I didn't follow it. But moving here, I was like, I need something to watch to kind of keep that connection to home. So I, I haven't missed an episode since. It's fantastic. But the Duff Duff wow. moment that, that she's talking about there is at the end of every episode. The music starts, and it starts off with it with a Duff Duff. I'm going to play it now so you can hear it. So the the episode ends with this, and then the theme tune comes in. Like, da, 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 oh. come straight in. So there's always a cliffhanger. Something happens and there's a cliffhanger. Every episode, there's some like, they'll say something like, um, just so you know, I know that it was you that killed such and such. And then th- then the person's face who they've just said it to is like frozen. And then it'll go, do, 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 do. And then the thing, the, oh, it ends. So she asked him like, have you ever had a duff duff moment? Meaning, have you ever finished <laughs> finished an episode? And, and if so, is there anything different about that episode? So that was a question. But I just, I, I knew as soon as she asked it, I thought that's going to confuse anyone who doesn't know what a duff duff is. So that's what a duff right. duff is. And I'm going to finish the interview with that as well. <laughs> so when the interview finishes, <laughs> I'm going to put a duff duff right in there. That duff duff is like a big thing in England as well, isn't it? Everyone yeah. knows what it is. Yeah, it is. And there's yeah. like, we do <clears throat> programs just alone talking about duff duff moments. Do they have duff duff moments in their porn, like right before the money shot? Like the girl, she she freezes her face, is like doosh doosh do, doom, and like lets her have it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, it, like we can. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, God, somebody will have done it somewhere. Telling you. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so, like, I mean, that's just a small thing that he's done. His music is incredible, and that's what I really wanted to talk to him about was his solo music. So um, he does actually have, and he mentions this, he has a new album coming out, which is a live album, um, and it's not out yet, even though he says, this is it's weird, we did the interview last week, and he said it was going to be out on Sunday, which was last Sunday, but he messaged me to say it wasn't coming out. He's going to hold off because he's holding off for a while, he said. He's got a few more things he wants to do. So he's, he's waiting a few more weeks. Um, but that might actually mean it's out now. I don't actually know if it's by the time you listen to this, which will be next week. I don't know, but he's got a new album coming out. So check it out. And like, if it is out when this episode goes out, I'll put it in the description as well to go and check it out because it's going to be on Spotify. And even so, go to Spotify, type in Declan Bennett and check out all his solo music. Honestly, it's incredible. Um, my favourite album of his is An Innocent Evening of Drinking. Um, it's just really, really good. Um, and yeah, honestly, I can't I can't rave about him enough. So check it out. And honestly, it meant so much to me that he came on and spoke to us. It really did. Like, I didn't expect him to. And he was probably one of the most accommodating guests we've had on. Um, because he was, he messaged me and he messaged me off his own back. Like, I gave him, we, we did the top five with him and he messaged me his answers before we'd even recorded. Like he was, he was right on the ball. Like it was, it was just, it's really nice actually to have somebody that was so accommodating towards, you know, doing this, doing the interview. So um, we will go through to the interview now with Declan Bennett and then we'll be back afterwards because Kelly's got a funny game she wants to play. So um, yeah, check out our interview with the awesome Declan Bennett. Hi, this is John Chalice here, uh, probably better known as a uh, boy singing from Only Fools and Horses. And I want uh, I want you to listen to the Majors Mess Hall podcast. Hello. Hi, Deck. Hey, dude. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, sound not too bad. Thanks. All good. 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 So, how are you managing with this uh, this whole lockdown thing? I'm bored of it now, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bored. It was lovely to well, that lovely is completely the wrong word. When it first started. <laughs> it felt like a bit of a novelty um and and i quite like novelty i quite like it when when life throws massive curve of curveballs at you i think it's quite an interesting uh test of character and so i was quite like oh this is this is an interesting time to be to be living <laughs> and uh and then very quickly i thought oh this is a bit shit actually isn't it it's not <laughs> it's not it's actually not great like it's 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 it was more difficult than I thought it was going to be, yeah. um, and even and even as a as an actor and as an artist and, and performer and stuff, it's like we're used to having time, you know, we're used to having stretches between not working and in between gigs and stuff, but this was a, a bit of a different ball game, yeah. Well, it messes with your creativeness as well. I mean, I know you can still write songs on your own, but you can't. It, you are limited to what you can do cre- creativity wise. It's so hard with that kind of thing because even with the online stuff and i've been doing a couple of online gigs and you know people have been i mean i think everyone's sick of zoom now everyone's kind of like all right we'll do we've done zoom let's let's just get back into the real world <laughs> and i think for me like as, as a, a singer songwriter as well it made me realize how much i feed off of people yeah and and being a theater actor and stuff it's we i i i've I'm I'm not at my best unless there's an audience, which sounds really big-headed in a way. It's like oh, I need to be before I need people to see me, but it's less about that, and it's more about it's. There's an authentic connection that happens whether you're in a play or a musical, or you're playing a gig or 
or any kind of transaction like that, but of entertainment. And there's a synergy that happens, and I, I struggle to get that online because it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And this, like, this whole thing must be devastating for the theatre industry, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, it's ter- it's terrifying. And yeah. unfortunately, but on a daily basis, it just seems to kind of be... Uh, ju- there's just a real lack of of uh, of direction and a lack of support, and the government at the moment don't seem to really care uh, mm. about the arts. They say that they do, but ultimately, you know, in the words of Boris Johnson, he's like, well... You know, it's it, it's important for us to defeat this disease first, and it's like, well, Sam, but you've just told loads of people they can get on a plane and fly to a different country, but you're saying that people can't sit in a theatre and watch shows. So, I don't really know what you expect me to do with that. And let's tell them that they can open the theatres, but you can't have live performances. Yeah, what's the point? It's like, it's like you're telling ice cream, man. Oh, you can go out in your van, mate. You can't, you can't tell anyone ice cream. <laughs> Well, then it's just a van, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can go to the pub and have, you the pub and have ten pints and fall in someone's lap or something. But um, yeah, you, you can't watch a show. <laughs> but God forbid you'd sit there with a mask on, potentially, and you know, in your own little seat and watch the show. Yes, yeah, it's, it's mad. It's really well, like, mad. Over here, the, the numbers are really good at the moment, especially in Nova Scotia. There's, there isn't any at the moment, so. Well, they've, right. they're opening the movie theatres and they've, they've every other row is closed off. So why can't they do the same in the theatres? In the yeah, UK, they just close well, off every other row. I know it's still I know. a big loss because that's like yeah. only half the theatre being filled, but it's better than not be having anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I understand like the theory behind that. I think I think what people don't get is 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 actually how expensive it is to run a show. You know, and I think unless a theatre is running at a minimum of 70% every yeah. night or on average over the week. And even then, you, you, your show's not going to run for that long. You know, shows that run and run are, are the ones that are banging out 100%, you know, for the first few years and they and they pay all their overheads back and then they, they start going into profit and then the, the show starts to cost a little bit less than it did originally. But if you're constantly fighting against that, there's just no incentive, you know, for, for, for investors to, to put a, a few million pounds into a show when, you know, they're not guaranteed to get it back. So there's a lot there's a lot of callers and there's a lot of complexity to it that we seem to understand as a as an industry and our, our government, you know, and I think sometimes with the public, they just think it's like, oh, just, you know, we'll just all get back in and, we'll, you know, just do it for 100 people. And you're like, it's not that's kind of not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, like, what, what's your opinion? I know none of us really know, but what do you think? Like, do you think this is going to be, like, still bad, like, this time next year? Or do you think we'll we'll have seen the end of it? You mean for the, for, just for for the art? Co- just for, no, for COVID, for COVID in general, oh, really. For COVID in general? I mean, I'd hate to even hazard a guess. It's hard to say, isn't it? It's really difficult to answer. It's really hard to say. You know, I I've, I'm keeping a close eye on... The stuff in the states you know i'm a resident of the united states you know i have a green card so oh, nice. um, you know i spend a lot of time there but what i but i was actually in england at my mum's wedding um when this all kicked off oh, wow. and uh, and and i just thought you know now is not the time to be i was supposed to be going back there um in april and uh and and i've just kind of you know a lot of gigs and a lot of work that i had there and here subsequently has obviously been pulled but uh 
but yeah, so I've, do, I've just kind of staying put and then trying to figure out when I want to go back. But but the news over there is scary. You know, all these states are kind of reopening again and, you know, didn't want to play by the rules. And, and now it seems like they're kind of paying for it, which is it's not yeah. really a good place. So who knows where we'll be in. I'll, I'll be worried, you know, if, if, if London particularly. I mean, we're seeing it in Leicester now, but I'll be worried if, if these second waves are coming. But I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like... Positively speaking, I feel like because we know what's going on now and we've dealt with it for this long, we know what we need to do kind of thing to try and prevent it getting as bad as it did. Because it kind of yeah. just came out of the blue. Even though I do think the UK was very slow at reacting. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like we maybe we've, we, we'll be okay if it does pick up again. That's just me being positive. Well, yeah, no, good. And that's probably a really good good way to look at it and, and to be positive. And I would hope that that is that that would be the the outlook that a lot of people have i think what would worry me is that with a if a second wave was particularly aggressive i think when it's these smaller local outbreaks and then it can just be a you know a, a, a town or a certain city has to just go back in lockdown for a couple of weeks something like that but i think if there was just this major shutdown again across the board for a few months i'd be worried about what it these people's mental health you know if yeah, people yeah, yeah. are already Definitely. struggling struggling with that so 100 percent Let's keep our fingers crossed, man, that this <laughs> doesn't happen. So, so moving on, we just want to take it right the way back to uh, to your point break days, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do it. So, uh, well, that's like where I first, I well, the two of us, me and Kelly, first sort of discovered you was was a member of that band. I used to be in a boy band myself back in the day, in around about the same time, actually. Right. And okay. uh, in, fa- in fact, we actually did. We, we we never had a record deal or anything like that. But we did a, a show at a place in New Brighton on the Wirral right. um, okay. called what was it called Club Freedom? It was <laughs> it was like a teen <laughs> like a teen club. And I never seen you guys there, but I was told by my, one of my female cousins that you guys would. I think you, you went there a couple of times. I don't know, but um, we yeah. Played so, yeah, we played so many of them shows, so many of them teenage shows that, that exist. I don't feel like they exist anymore, do they? No, I think they've all, they've all no. stopped now. The teenagers are just doing, they just go into illegal raves now. They're way more hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just got a little bit unruly and they just couldn't kind of manage the, the kids. So I think they just decided yeah. to stop it all. But yeah, um, no, those like those days were fun. And I know that like, and again, I can relate to this, that, you you didn't have any creativity whatsoever, did you? Like it was you were just kind of told what to sing, and as well, a songwriter like yourself, that must have been really frustrating. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I have to say, you know, to to the band's kind of benefit is that we did actually have um, quite a big input on the on the writing of the songs. It was slightly different for me because I came in to the band at the very look at the eleventh hour because there was a lad in it called John who was in before me and bless him he got Crohn's disease and he had to leave the band and they were about to release their first single in something like four weeks time and so they had to find a replacement so when I joined it was it was I hit the ground running and so a a lot of the songs for the first album the kind of the first half of it had been written but again I I, I know what you're saying It's, it's it's a typical situation in that in those days you only had to be in the recording studio to be to cast as a as a writer on a track yeah you know so there'd yeah, be was... like eight eight writers on one song <laughs> and everyone's kind of getting their getting their two cents in you're like oh i think we should put the word and there great well you can have that credit on there brilliant so what was what was the deciding factor for you for, to, to actually leave and move on to do your own thing 
I think I just matured musically throughout throughout the process. And you know, I'd only just turned. I don't even know if I was 18, you know, when I joined that band. Yeah. It was just in and around about that age. And then I basically joined the uh, joined the band. And then after t- after about a year and a half, they started talking about making a new album. And I just thought, do you know what? I've, I haven't got. I haven't got that in me. I, I, if if we if this is going to continue down the same route in the same uh, same type of music, and by then I'd I'd really got into my guitar playing and I'd started writing my own music, and you know I'd be coming home from a gig with Point Break and I'd be listening to, I I mean all sorts. Like I'd be getting well into like Alanis Morissette and and Cheryl Crow and and like uh, the Dave Matthews Band and yeah. all those kinds of people that that ran very contrary to what Pop Break was. So I just knew, I just thought, you know what, this I, I, I haven't got it in me. So I, I just, just I, I sat him down and I just said, lads, I, I'm done. You know, I've, all this talk about a second album is giving me cold feet. <laughs> oh, that must have been so hard, like for you to actually do that. Because knowing full well that that, that was obviously probably most likely going to be the end. For, for the band really wow yeah who, I, I didn't I, you know I I didn't really know what what that what the impact of me leaving was going to have um, I mean they'd been in a band for three two three years before I joined with two or three of the members and oh, okay. they and they swiftly brought in another member very quickly after me so as far as I was concerned they were like all right. I mean, it was it was difficult. Yeah, it was it was hard, you know. And I, it was particularly when you're 20 years old. You know, you don't. It's that's the hard decisions to make. But I knew I was making the right decision, and I think they knew as well that I'd kind of come to the end of it. Yeah. And uh, and I wished them best of luck. And then they got another uh, got another lad in, and I think they started to do some more stuff, and they, they kind of kept gigging, and then I think it just fizzled out. Yeah. It's, it is tough when you replace a member. We did that a few times, and it's 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 hard to try and find the right mix. Of course, uh, especially it when is. you've been established for so long, it, it is difficult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you guys had it was only the one album, but you guys had some really good tracks on that. A personal favorite of mine, even to this day, it's still in some of my uh, playlists on Spotify. Is you? I love that song, and my wife uh, loves yeah. it as well. And she's Canadian, so she she never knew it um, when right. it was first released, but she knows it like like the back of her hand now. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some good, good pop songs on that. So I've got yeah. a funny, I've got a funny question for you. If um, I don't know if you ever seen that um, that show, the big reunion, where they they got some bands to like reform. <laughs> if if the if the money was right, would you do it? <laughs> I Listen, you're you're talking money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're talking like life changing and never have to work again, kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> Purely because I'm like, I, listen, I'm going to be 40 next year, which is mental. <laughs> talking about point break. I mean, God, it's such a long time ago. Well, look at some of the so, lads and take that. Some of them are 50 now. <laughs> yeah, listen, but fair play to them. If, I'd, if, if, we'd have, if we'd have had the career that take that had, yeah, I'd, different, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd still different. be scraping the barrel now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as Point Break goes, I'm really proud of Point Break, and I really, I, I, I'm on board with what you with what you're saying because I think the songs that we release, particularly you and um, uh, Freaky, Freaky Times, Time, like all those kind of singles, they, they were they were kind of bangers, and I felt like we, there was a slight edge to us that uh, that kind of set us apart from from other people. So I'm I'm proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I remember seeing you on top of the pops loads. I just remember freaky time on there, all, all, always on there. Constantly, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When I knew you were com- coming on, um, I watched some of your old performances and I came across a clip of um, you performing Fallen Slowly um, from the musical Once on Graham Norton. And yeah. it's such a beautiful song with so much emotion. What was um, your time like uh, in the musical days? It was yeah, it was incredible. I was I've been living in New York for about about seven or eight years, and the the show actually opened on Broadway to begin with, and and I was auditioning for the show out there, and uh, I didn't get it there like when it when it first opened in New York, but then it came around again, but this time it was well we're going to open the show um, in London in the West End. And my my heart just kind of started beating like mad because I just thought I'd been wanting to go back to London. I'd go home back to the UK for a while, and but I, but I wanted to go home and and go with a job and have a decent gig and and once just kind of ticked all the boxes for me because it you know being a singer songwriter and uh, my parents are Irish and uh, and and that was very much the kind of style of music that I was writing myself. And it was in, it was amazing. Like yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was an absolute dream job. The cast were amazing. The girl uh, who played girl, who, that's her name of the show. It's just guy and girl. Zrinka <laughs> uh, Svitasic, beautiful, amazing Croatian actress. She taught me so much um, about acting and about you know performing on stage. It was the first big lead role that I'd ever taken, um, that I'd ever kind of opened the show with. So yeah, it was a, it was a really it was a really special time. Yeah, I, I loved it and got to meet Glenn Hansard as well a couple of times. He's such a cool class guy. Yeah, it was wicked. Um, in two thousand and two, you worked on um, on Taboo with Boy George on at the West End. What what was that yeah. like? That must have been an amazing experience to work with that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George is is, is <laughs> second to none. I have never, and I don't believe that I'll ever meet anybody quite like George O'Dowd for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I think that's a testament to his talent, his testament to his personality, and, to, and a testament to to what an amazing human being and, and a character that he has. And he's another person that I've been really lucky, you know, throughout my career to have to have worked with some real kind of solid, um, some solid artists. And George was was one of the first and i felt i just looked up to him and i thought he was brilliant he's such a special man the show was great as well the show taboo was brilliant that was my first kind of getting after point break it was it was just getting my feet wet and back in theater again so it was kind of my first big proper professional theater job and that's where i've met some lifelong friends you know because i i skipped uni you know i didn't do uni or anything like that because i knew from such young age that i wanted to perform so i just kind of went at it as soon as I could yeah. so doing doing taboo felt like this kind of life school it was <laughs> it, it was the first time I'd I'd kind of been around this big group of people and you know I saw them every single day if it, it, it felt like going to uni like you're going to college every day <laughs> and so some of those people um in that cast are still very very good friends of mine um, nice. in a way that you know subsequent shows it, it, it didn't it doesn't always doesn't always feel like that but that one particularly yeah I have great memories so you mentioned that you're also were working in um, the States on the American Idiot musical and you did it in California and um, yeah. on Broadway. I wondered if 
I've always wondered if the West End differs to Broadway in any way. Um, it's a good question, and I, it's a bit, it's hard to answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to answer in that there's there's some real physical differences in that. When you, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a Broadway show. Have you ever been to New York and seen a show there? No, it's on, it's on my bucket no. list, but no. It right. is, yeah. It, the theatres there, I mean, they're amazing. They're these big, you know, amazing uh, theatres. They're not, I will say, they're not as kind of as old school and as grand as some of the beautiful ones that you get in London. Uh, some of feel a bit newer, but still equally um, equally amazing to, to be inside. But they have this weird thing in that, like, when you, you kind of, there's there's not much of a foyer in New York. You know, I can remember, you go to the West yeah. End, you're going to like a beautiful foyer and a big chandelier and then you go upstairs and there's a bar there and you go down there and there's a bar there and there's all this <laughs> space for you to hang out before and after the show that doesn't really exist in these in these kind of new york broadway theaters there's a very very small part of the theater where you kind of pick it you pick up your tickets and then you're inside the theater and then when the show finishes you get kicked out on the sides onto the sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's, there's no like oh let's go and have a drink in the bar no that doesn't a the bar probably doesn't exist and b if it does it's closed so <laughs> the, that's that's one of the uh that's one of the big differences i'd say the other one that i noticed when i first went to new york i mean before i moved there and I've, i saw uh rent which you know i've i got to do over there as well but rent was the first show i ever saw um and it was the reaction of the audience was kind of blowing my mind because I wasn't used to people being so vocal. And Americans, I mean, they do it in the cinema as well. You know, if you if you have if you can see a film in the state, people <laughs> shout at the screen. You know, it's re- it's a real you've got to get used to it because you, as, a, as a kind of a, as a British person, you sit there, you just want to be like, shut up. <laughs> but then you just. <laughs> But you, you just kind of get used to it. And it's, it's kind of cool. There's just this really lovely spirit. And I'm starting to notice that a little bit more happening happen in the West End. People are getting a little bit braver. And I, You're I don't know. for the wish list now. Yeah. <laughs> movie and a Broadway show. Movie and a Broadway show. And, I've, and particularly, if you go see a movie, go see a horror film. Go see one of those <laughs> horror films. And I'll tell you what, you've, I mean, you it's, it's like being at a show, but it's the audience that are performing for you. It's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. what would you what would you say is your, your grandest moment so far doing musicals like like literally the moments and not not so much just at like one single play but like one moment where you were just like kind of blown away that would have to be when we performed at the grammy awards with green day oh yeah yeah wow. that was that it was just it was amazing that like we just we we walked out onto that stage and you know you just you just glance at the front row and there's Beyonce and Jay-Z and there's Lady Gaga these are just it's the creme de la creme of the most famous music artists in the entire world and there's us standing on stage with Green Day singing it was absolutely nuts I loved it yeah it was a really really great moment yeah I can only imagine like that that would just be mind-blowing as well to know how many people are watching it as well so it's not yeah. even just oh, the people in front of yeah. you, but the numbers, in, in, the numbers anyway of how many people are watching the Grammys would be crazy. Yeah, just all of that, yeah. And the fact that we, do, we did it together as, you know, as that original cast and stuff like that really cements a group of people together as well. So, yeah, it's, 
it was it's cool actually i forget about these things sometimes and then someone asks me and i think about it and i go god man that was amazing <laughs> so one of my favorite movies i've heard that has inspired you to join the choir and that's sister act two <laughs> sister act two <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah is that true who told you that Oh, I, must... <laughs> <laughs> I must have said that somewhere. You, you did. You said that yeah. on another podcast we were listening to for for um, oh, right. research purposes. <laughs> right. Got. Yeah. Yeah. I have to hand it to that that film. I wanted to be a journalist. You know, I was like, well, ready to be a journalist. I wanted to work for the Coventry Telegraph. You know, that that was what I wanted to do. And then <laughs> I got. And and then I was kind of not having a great time at school. I was just kind of struggling a little bit. And then. I basically, I went to see Sister Act Two. I can't remember. The story. <laughs> and I saw cinema, and I was just, so I was, I was obviously a, a massive music fan, and I'd been, I always listened to music, and I was particularly at that age when I was kind of thirteen. I loved R and B, and I loved that old kind of swing, yeah, R and B kind of world, um, like NWA and Salt and Pepper and. TLC, like all that old school, really early day stuff. I loved it. And obviously there was a lot of uh, that style of music in some of the soundtrack in Sister Act 2. And obviously it was the first <laughs> time I've never heard of Lauren Hill. You know, so there you go. You see Lauren Hill on the screen just singing. And I just, she absolutely blew me away. I just thought, who is that? Who is that? Yeah. I think she was about 16 or something when she did that film. And yeah. and then there was obviously the, the most the beautiful moment when, when the young lad sings, so the young lad sings "Oh Happy Day," and I was just thinking, "I'm enjoying the choir." <laughs> do you know what's Possibly funny? Enough, yeah, yeah do, the, this is what what's funny is that about four episodes ago on our podcast, we had Ryan Toby on as a guest, and he's the guy that that takes the high yeah. note. Stop it! Yeah, honestly, we did, he, he, yeah. <laughs> so when oh. we when we heard you mention it on the other podcast, we were like, "Oh my god!" Like that's full circle for us. Like it's just oh, nice. Oh my god. And what is he? What is he doing these days? So, uh, so well, he was in a group called <laughs> City High, <laughs> um, right. and they had that song that was like, um, "What would you do if your son was at home crying all alone on the bedroom floor because he's hungry and the only way to feed him is to sleep with a man?" Do you know? Do you know what oh, I mean? He was, yeah, he was in that group. <laughs> he was in that group, yeah. But he's also oh. written for like Usher, yeah, uh, Lionel right. Richie. Uh, wow. Mary J. Blige, like he's a he's a songwriter now, but he's also got like a shitload of music on Spotify, so it's oh, it's actually right. worth checking out. Like the guy's incredible. Oh, I will do definitely. Wow, that's serendipitous, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's releasing lockdown albums a week at a time. Yeah, every week he? because great. he's got so much music like like on on the back burner that he's done in the past that's not been released. He's just comp- compiling like an album like every month. I'm putting out like lockdown version four, lockdown version five, and they're, they're great songs. Wicked. Oh, yeah. I'm, I know what I'm doing tonight. We talked to him about that high note. We, we asked him about the high oh, note and said, the high note. Yeah, we, we, we said, how many, how many times did, did it take you to get until you got that right? And he yeah. told us that. Um, about he, three, says, about three times, and he got it. He said, and then he, he said, I'm not shitting you. He said, the next day, my voice started to break. He said, and I couldn't hit that high note anymore. So he got it the last time he ever did it. Is, What's in the film? And he even had lines. He had lines caught on set, didn't he? Because he couldn't speak anymore. Yeah, because his voice was like, Sister Mary Clarence. I mean, it was was probably that, it was probably that note that kind of instigated his balls dropping. And then, (laughs) I mean, 
his voice breaking. Exactly. He might, have had another, he might have had another couple of years with that high voice had he not been forced <laughs> to that note. I mean, what? that's one of the most incredible moments in cinema. I've never like. So I mean, basically, Dex, if, if his balls hadn't dropped when he did, you might never have got into theatre. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're listening, mate, I owe you. I owe you. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. Really cool. <laughs> So, yeah, so suffice to say that that film did actually change the course of my life. So I went into school the next day and I marched up to the choir room, knowing full well that there was about nine girls in the choir, no guys, and they weren't the popular girls at school, you know, in fact, probably the opposite. And 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 I didn't care. I was like, I'm what I'm gonna I wanna join the choir. And and they kind of welcomed me with open arms. <laughs> and uh, and that was at the start of the rest of my life. Yeah, it's it's great that that, that, uh, that one line that um, if you wanna be somebody, if you wanna yeah. go somewhere, we used to sing that all the time in school. Like we were, oh. there was literally a group of us that used to go around singing it. Totally, getting and, all, and all the other kids were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> but we just loved it. Oh, class! So great, just man. talking of other artists as well, like um, what like what artists inspire you? Um. I, oh. I mean, so many, so many different types of artists. Um, I would have to give a particular shout out to um, an artist called Arnie DeFranco, who I'm a massive, massive fan of and have been since um, since I was about 17, 18, when somebody introduced me to her. And she's not particularly well known in the mainstream, but the people that do know her, she has, she's got a huge following worldwide. And she's one of these artists that just consistently tours every single year. She would she literally tour the the work. She'd be all over America, come to Europe. You know, she's she's got this very very dedicated fan base. So she was a massive part of of me crafting my uh, my own kind of material. So I really rate her. I love. I love, particularly back in the day. I loved people like Damien Rice and Glenn Hansard in the Frames and Lisa Hannigan. Uh, a lot of Irish artists there. Damien Dempsey. Um, but then, and then on the other side of it, I'm a massive fan of house music, <laughs> and um, and I've always been a big fan of of kind of, of kind of underground house DJs like Fat Tony and Guy Williams and Todd Terry, and uh, that's been a real weird part of my life that's that's run alongside me being this kind of uh, like acoustic kind of singer songwriter dude. You know, I finish a gig and then you'll find me. You know, in fabric, kind of just dancing my nuts off <laughs> um, which has always been a bit of an odd thing for me to marry those two things. But, but yeah, that's uh, and then and I love classical music as well. It just depends on my mood, you know. Yeah, you're an eclectic. <laughs> I'm an eclectic. Yeah, it depends on my mood, it depends on my environment. I love cooking to classical music. I really like listening to classical music first, first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, I find instrumental music, particularly that kind of classical. I, you know, I'll whack Radio 3 on and, you know, just kind of make myself some eggs. And it's great. It puts me in a lovely, <laughs> lovely Yeah. So it appears that you do a lot of your writing and it's inspired from drawing on your own personal experience. Mm. Um, is there any track in particular that, you, that you're super proud of? Uh, that, I, that I've written? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to say all of them. <laughs> Uh, they all feel like my, my little children. <laughs> but I think the one track that really cemented uh, 
it cemented for me um and the 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 first time i felt really comfortable kind of going no i i know i'm i'm i am a singer songwriter that is that is what i yeah i I, you know i'm also an actor and i do these other things but i i always struggled to kind of say i i am a singer songwriter and that is what i do and when i wrote uh, a song called freer that was on my third album it was the first song I wrote for the album, and I didn't really know the album's called Record Breakup, and I didn't really know what the album was going to be about. But I wrote this song in New York on the piano, and I played it to one of my friends, and he was just like, "This is, this is epic! Like, this is a really, really great song." And then the rest of the album just kind of got carved around that song, and it just it felt like I shifted into this next gear of of writing, and I started to feel really proud of of myself and and the material and and I started to understand who I was as an artist and I started to understand the content that I was writing and then songwriting started to become easier and more fun for me and it didn't feel like I was having such a battle with myself um I kind of go in and out of those battles though (laughs) uh, but yeah I'd say I'd say the song freer yeah so what what's the songwriting process for you? Like, because say for me, like I've written songs in the past, I normally try and come up with a melody first, and then try and find the words afterwards. I'm guessing that you literally write out your lyrics and then you work around that because your some of your songs are so like poetic. Yeah, yeah, you're right? abs- yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't do that, so I take my hat off to you. Like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I mean, I take my hat off to you, you know, but sometimes when people can just kind of bang out these melodies, you know, I find that really, I, I, I find it stunning. Like, it's just like, it's, that's, it's a real skill and a real talent. And when, uh, I think that's why people collaborate quite a lot. You know, I, I did a lot of, um, I've done a lot of work with a, another great singer-songwriter called Olivia Broadfield, who you must, must check out. In fact, you must interview her as well if you, if you look for more people on your show. She's she's absolutely brilliant she's from Hinkley and uh we we didn't grow up together but we first met on the music scene in Cov and we have a a duo called both so you can hear some of our stuff uh online and we've just finished a new EP as well but Olivia's got this insane ear for melodies crazy crazy ear for melodies and then when it comes to lyric writing she's just like I'll just write whatever rhymes (laughs) that's what I'm like yeah but she still manages to kind of write these unbelievably touching, simple lyrics. Like she's she's a really clever singer songwriter, and and she's had huge success with um, with kind of her, her songs being put in in film and TV and stuff. So when we when we kind of work together, you know, we, it, the both stuff kind of brings in another interesting element because I bring the, the the lyrics and the poetry and all that stuff, and then she comes in with the with the stronger the melody here, but it's something that I'd like to get better at, you know, kind of trying to approach things in a bit more of a uh, melodic way first. Cause sometimes particularly after what has it been now four albums and four EPs. And then I've got another album coming out on Sunday. It, oh, it's nice. like, I'm running out of things to say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so it'd be nice. Yeah. To, to, to kind of explore, you know, and, and experiment with different approaches. So what, one of my favourite albums of yours is this, the second album that you did, the Innocent Evening of Drinking. What's cool. uh, what's the like? What's the? Is there any like backstory on on how that album came to be? Because I honestly love that. Like one of my favourite songs is Zeds and Qs. Oh, thank and you. And Storm man. as well. Storm's really nice as well. But like, yeah, I just love that album. 
Yeah, um, that album. If I'll be, um, yeah, I'll be completely honest with you. That album was basically born out of. Um, I had testicular cancer when I was twenty-three years old, and I just I'd finished writing the Painter's Ball, which was kind of the first one, and that was kind of being was in the process of being put out, and then. Um, yeah, I, w- I was doing the Taboo tour, actually, the UK tour at the time, and I and uh, I found out that I had cystic cancer. I had to leave the tour. And kind of the next two years of my life, I, st- I didn't gig. I didn't go anywhere near the theatre. Like, the next two years were just kind of done. And, you know, thank God, you know, I'm, I'm healthy and, and safe now, and which is great. Um, but at the time, I was absolutely terrified of well of everything really i was just i I, you know being faced with your mortality at that age yeah creates a real it's like the world just pulls the rug out from underneath your feet and it's just like the fabric of your entire reality starts to really mess with well mess with my head and so i really struggled with really bad anxiety um like debilitating panic attacks i couldn't go on stage the stage was my nemesis like i couldn't even go near it and as I started to kind of deal with all of the the physical aspects of um, of kind of such a, a mental illness, you know, as as it was, and my mental health was in such a poor state, uh, songwriting for myself became a way out of it, and became this cathartic song and it's interesting that you talk about Zed's accused it's interesting that you talk about storm because they're both the lyrics in storm are you know i got on a boat and i sat out to see a mother of a storm heading straight for me something's frighteningly clear when you're closer than near and it's this that whole thing about you know sometimes i wish confidence would grow on trees and it was i had none i had no confidence at all in myself and my work and and all these songs were being born out of that Zed's and cues was born out of of panic and it was just like i can't get i can't make sense of my head at the moment there's too much going on in my head and i'm try, i can't grasp onto anything and that's where zeds and cues from came from so pretty much all of those songs were were born out of that and then there's some mad songs like blue tack and fuck knows where that came from <laughs> I, I can't even remember what what that yeah <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember do you know he what knows. though? Like I, I love that though. The, the the backstory that you've just told me. I it's it's nice to know those kind of things as as a listener. And the fact you like such such a traumatic event in your life at such a young age as well. Like we're all still learning at twenty three. We don't really know what life life is at twenty three. We're literally still learning. So that's yeah. that must have been so tough. But to turn it into something positive, yeah, and create like th- those songs are so special to you and. Yeah. probably even more so to me now that I know the backstory as well yeah yeah great yeah I mean yes I, I know what you mean it's a, whether it's songs or whole records or whatever and you and you hear a little bit about how they were how they came about yeah it, it just adds another layer to it and then you kind of go back and listen to it again and um yeah and you you have a whole new experience it's the power of music man and the power of storytelling it's great so you say that you've got a new album coming out on Friday did you say uh, Sunday. Sunday. So what's yeah. what's that about? So like, it's a it's a live album. Oh, so okay. uh, whilst I've been in lockdown, um, I decided to pull all my old hard drives out, and uh, and so I started kind of plugging in my hard drives and going through 
you know, loads of crap. You know, <laughs> just like, why am I even? Why have I? Why have I saved this on this blue desk? <laughs> and then I started to find all of these old recordings of live gigs, because um, over the years, you know, all the kind of gigs and venues that I played at, if if there's a if they can record the gig off the desk, I always get them to do it and then give it to me and then I can mix it myself in my studio. So I ended up finding like a bunch of these different uh, recordings from, and to be honest, I don't even really know where all of the venues are because I'm not really talking <laughs> about the venue and they're, they're just, it's just labeled as, as a date kind of thing or, or a time <laughs> or something. So, but I've, I've basically collated 15 tracks, um, from my first four albums and uh and they're all completely live and there's some cool bits of talking in there i'm talking to the audience and and there's kind of uh there's 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 different versions as well there's a there's a really interesting version of things unseen that is on innocent ev of drinking and i kind of always didn't really enjoy the way that i'd originally recorded that because again I was, I was still learning about recording and with that album and and how i and how i wanted to sound and it was till record breakup where i was like yes that's it that's the sound and now with this live album i've i've had i've had just a really i had an amazing week last week when i kind of finished mixing it and putting it all together and I and I kind of went on a walk and listened to it on my headphones and this these fifteen tracks, and I thought that's it, that that's the definitive album. That like if anyone says, you know, oh what 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 does your music sound like or something? Oh, have you heard Declan Bennett's music? Point them to this live album because I I feel really like it. It's just encompassed everything that I've been trying to achieve and everything that I ever wanted my music to sound like. The entire vibe. It's a real. It's it's a good good one to start on. So yeah, awesome. um, it comes comes out Sunday, and it's called Live and Allowed. Can't wait to check it out. Yeah, good stuff. So you also went in a completely different direction with your career, and um, you took on the role of Charlie Cotton in EastEnders. Yes. Um, you had so many. Join an, an iconic family alone, <laughs> but you had so many great storylines as well. And I've yeah. always wanted to know if anything differs during a Duff Duff moment, because I'm sure you've had one. <laughs> <laughs> If if anything, what differs? Like yeah, like what yeah, goes down, what happens? Yeah. What? Wait. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, do, what? What? What goes down like during the moment when it happens? Yeah, like yeah, and like duff, is, duff is there any moment. prep? Do they tell you that you're going to get it? Do they, do they say right this moment now is oh, a duff duff? So you have to hold it. It's called a duff duff. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> and so you'll get a new script and you'll be like, I've got a duff duff. Like it's just it's just the thing. It's a very yeah. It's, it's quite it, funny because it's something you learn when you first start there. Is it celebrated? Wow, I'm getting a duff duff. Me first duff duff. <laughs> I think you celebrate yourself. Everyone else is kind of rolling. We've got a we've got a lot of American and Canadian listeners, and they're not going to have a clue what a duff duff is. They're just going to be like, "What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what on earth is a duff duff?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you this story because um, Gavin, he never used to watch EastEnders and then he moved to Canada and he got really homesick and to cure his homesickness, he watched an episode of EastEnders and he's been hooked ever since. So every time really? I visit... Yeah, well, yes. I, need, I needed a connection. I needed something because I'd moved. I, all my friends and family, apart from my wife, they were all yeah. back home. My, my wife's Canadian, so I literally Hi. didn't have 
anyone else here that was British and I needed something and I can't stand Coronation Street. (laughs) So I was like, EastEnders, I've watched it, you know, I know the characters and I know who Pat is and stuff like that. Ah, go on, I'll I'll watch it. So I put it on and I've just, I just kind of stuck, it's stuck with it and now we're just, me and my wife watch it every single time it's on. Every time. Ah, dude, it's going to be hard for you now, isn't it? Because then, well they're playing some old yeah. episodes at the moment my wife's never she doesn't know she doesn't know who Pat Butcher is so she's watching she's watching it now and I'm going that's, that's Pat there look look at the Way earrings back, that's so funny I know I know that feeling though man when you're away from home I used to watch Keeping Up Appearances on Netflix yes, when I was that, that was that's, that was filmed in Coventry wasn't it it was filmed in Coventry yeah <laughs> It was brilliant, actually, because I, I, I don't think I ever watched it when I was in England, funnily enough, but it was that, on Netflix over there. So you're there, the same? Just... No, no, but, yeah. okay, so there's, there's another little story for you, and this is the truth. I used to date an American girl, and I lived in America for about a year, and again, I was homesick, and they've got this station over there. It's all this... I don't know what the station is, but there's a, there's literally a section of the day dedicated to British TV shows, and it's called Afternoon Tea. And one of the segments was keeping up appearances. And I was the same as you. I used to watch it slowly because I was homesick. Just, just wanted yeah. to go home and I'd watch that instead. It just feels like quintessential British comedy. Yeah, you and it just takes wrong. the edge off. And because Onslow was in it, who's a scouser, it, yeah, it was perfect, you know. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. Great. <laughs> to be f- we were just talking about you being from Coventry before we dialed in. And yeah. Gavin's never heard of the saying being sent to Coventry. <laughs> Oh, have you um, not? Um, yeah, I just had to explain to him what it, what it meant. Sent to Coventry. <laughs> well, there's a, when I was in the boy band, there was a lad. There was a lad in the boy band. We we kicked him out. Long story short, we kicked him out. Right. And he yeah. lives in Coventry now, so he's he's quite literally being sent to Coventry. He's quite literally been sent to Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a war thing, wasn't it? And it was when yeah, um, was it? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's where oh, that's where it originally originally came from. Was a, uh, what it's when when people went AWOL, or if they um, you know if they basically got kicked out or whatever they they, they got sent to Coventry. There was some sort of a base in Cov where uh, where all the, the where all that lot went. <laughs> <laughs> um, just going back to EastEnders as well. I got to tell you this. Um, my son's name is Charlie, and he's only three. Um, oh. But we actually we kind of sort of I got the idea of the name Charlie from your character. <laughs> ironically <laughs> enough. We were taught we were literally we were pregnant, we knew we were having a we didn't know we were having a boy, but we were thinking of names if you know, if it's a yeah. boy. And my yeah. grandfather's dad's name was Charlie, so it's a family name anyway. But it was nice. just seeing your character on TV, I was like, Charlie, that's a nice name, Charlie. So technically he's kinda of named after your character. Oh, wow. so, full circle again. Full circle. <laughs> right, <man. laughs> so do you do you think you'll ever go back to EastEnders if they ask you? Or do you do, do you think they'll ask you? I have no idea. I've no idea. I mean, I don't, you know, they haven't killed me off. You know, I'm I'm in Ireland with with my uh, with my baby Matthew, <laughs> yeah. um, and and my mom and uh, and my wife. I think I think I'm Dot's there now, isn't she? I think Dot's there oh, as well. Dots, yeah, Dot is. Let's not forget Dot. Let's not forget Dot. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. I mean, never say never. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. You, know, you, you, were, you were great in that. Your character was awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I had a blast, man. Yeah, it was, it was fun times. You know, it's, it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a random job for me. Like it was in, in I never, and I never saw it coming. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, 
it, that was not on the trajectory. And then when it crossed my path, I was just like, why not? Like, why not, why not? Why not? Kind of like everything that you think you are and everything you think you know about yourself. Why don't you roll that up into a ball and just throw it against a wall, and then and just see what happens? So that's what I did. Was there any storyline in particular that you found most challenging to play? Uh, I mean, a lot of it was really challenging because <laughs> because I. Even I struggled to like believe some of it because it gets so crazy on these standards. Where you're like, wait, what? He's they've done what, and now they're doing what? So uh, <laughs> but it's because it's very heightened storytelling. You know, it's not it's not kind of it's not nuanced. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very uh, it, it, which is why people watch it. I think because it it's there's there's, a, there's an over the top uh, nature to it. Yeah. Uh, but ground, but you know, but then filmed kind of ground in this like gritty reality. So a lot of it, yeah. The, I think my favourite bit was when uh, was when they cast Pauline McLean as my mum, you know, who was Miss Doyle of Father yeah. Ted. Uh, <laughs> and then when they told me that they were bringing Nasty uh, Nick back, for my dad, I was just like, <laughs> this is class. Like to be Brilliant. on set, you know, with John and with June in that living room was like. Oh wow! This is this is iconic. This is this is iconic. There's no other yeah. word. For <laughs> okay, wow. so we're, we're going to wrap up the interview, but I want to ask you those five questions I told you about, which is, we call them the majors top five. We'll right. start with question one. What one song defines you? Um, I said it would have to be something like like a Dargio for strings or some some sort of instrumental track. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a classic as well. Like everyone knows that. Yeah, even that. even like the William Orbit version. You know, yeah. it's, it's a bit like, <laughs> yeah, got a bit of bit of balls behind it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the perfect meal? Sunday roast every time. Absolutely, with a for Christmas dinner. Do you not think? Oh yeah, well that's the king uh, of Sunday roast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. that's when that's when the king comes to town, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So when the king comes to visit the prince, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> For me, it's got to be mum's as well. It's got to be mum's Sunday roast. Oh, every single time. You're and making me want a roast. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, my mum's roast isn't even the best roast, but it is. Because yeah. it's mum's <laughs> roast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. They do, they do variations of Sunday roast here, but it's not the same. Like, you'll be sitting there and my mother-in-law will put a plate in front of me and there's fucking corn yeah. on the plate. What the fuck is that yeah. doing there? Corn? Oh, no, exactly, yeah. And do you know and what? Then you, look yeah. you look at your foreign. You look at your foreign when you put corn on a pizza. They're like, what are you doing with the corn on a pizza? Are you putting it on a roast? Yeah. And there's too many, like, too many fancy, fancy gastro pubs trying to fuck with a Sunday dinner. Just don't. It's very it's simple. It's really simple. Don't mess about with it. I don't need a Yorkshire pudding the size of my shoe. I just need a really simple, you know. There we go. And so I'm very okay. passionate about that, as you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. So this, this, ne this next question, you kind of, you've, you've already given me the answers, so you, you've kind of swerved this one you've, by yeah. not answering it properly. But it was, can you can you tell us something about yourself that no one else knows? <laughs> Oh yeah, and my answer was, well, if I told you, then that would ruin me. That then somebody would know, and then it would ruin me having secrets. You know what though? You've told <laughs> us you've told us a lot of things that we didn't know in this interview, so well, you kind of get out of it. 
Yeah, do you know what I mean? I actually have, yeah. <laughs> so, what what inspires you? Um, authenticity. That's a good answer. In, yeah, nice. In people and in uh, in work, in art, uh, across the board. And I think Kelly's got the final question. What is your favourite place? Where, sorry, where is your favourite place to be? Ah, under underneath stars. I love okay. it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it when it's night time, and it's very rare. You, you, I mean, you don't see it in London at all. It's very rare. <laughs> um, but I was. Where was I recently? In the oh, we, I was up in Scotland just before lockdown, right at the very tip, and it was mind blowing. Like the it amount is. of stars that were out, it was absolutely. It, it's something so special. It's something very different between oh, there's a couple of stars in the sky. To the sky being littered with yes. almonds. Yeah, it's, it, it is incredible. Amazing. I, I, there was one, it was about 20 years ago now, but we were in Wales staying in this little cabin on the hill and yeah. there was no lights around at all. So it was pitch black and the amount of stars was incredible. And we seen like four shooting stars as well. Uh, like legit shooting stars. Like it was so yeah. amazing. It just put, it, I feel like it's just the universe putting me in my place. Oh yeah, you feel, you feel so insignificant when you're looking at it. It's incredible. Yeah, I feel I feel insignificant, but also completely and utterly connected to everything. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. So in that in that really beautiful way, I feel like it just you feel so present when you're in when you're in an atmosphere like that. It's the same with sunsets, all that kind of stuff. Um, I get a bit hippie with stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good answer. Normally, recently we've been asking guests that question, and they just say outside because they just want to go out because of the lockdown. They don't care yeah. where it is. They just don't want to be where they are now. <laughs> right, yeah. Or oh, the bed. In bed. Yeah, bed as well as another people. one. Bed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's no. probably my answer as well. Um, yeah, so thanks very much, Deck, for coming on. Um, yeah, it means, seriously means so much because, like I say, I've been a fan of yours for 20 years now and uh, to be able to sit down and talk to you has been incredible. So, uh, I really you're, so you're welcome. I enjoyed it, man. It was great. If, um, You've been such if, a lovely person to talk to, by the way. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, guys. If anybody wants to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, so just um, just Google like Declan Bennett, and you'll find my Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then if you go to www.declanbennett.co.uk, um, that will take you to my Bandcamp page, and then you can listen to all of my music, and you can download uh, all my previous uh, material and. Uh, um, a new song that I released last week and the proceeds are going to the Albert Kennedy Trust um, who are an amazing charity that um, uh, house uh, LGBT youth who get kicked out of home and then the other 50% goes to uh, the Stand Against Racism and Equality um, organisation so you can download that there and that money will go to those organisations and then my this brand new live album Declan Bennett Live and Aloud will be there on Sunday night perfect amazing wicked Thank you so much, man. You take it easy, and uh, All I'll, right. let you know, I'll let you know when the episode drops as well. All right, spot on. Thanks, guys. Thank take you. it easy. All right, Bye take now. care. Bye. 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 Hello, this is Ewan McIntosh, a.k.a. Keith in the Office, and you are listening to Major's Metal. So uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks again to uh, to Declan for coming on and uh, and having a chat with us. It was it was wonderful. 
I mean, you enjoyed that as well, didn't you, Cal? Yeah, it was really... Actually, really one of the nicest guys we've spoken to. Such a like, down-to-earth, and he was having a bit of banter with us, and... Well, yeah, it was just really fun. That's what I liked, and, and this is no offense to Todd, but it was it was nice. This is going to be this is going to sound offensive now anyway, but um, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice because it was three three Brits having a laugh, and the sense of humour was it was there. You know what I mean? You know what I mean when I say that? Sure. There was, it was just oh, the, yeah. the camaraderie and and the um, oh, the way I'm looking for. We just had a good laugh. Well, it was I'm just sure joking. There's but, certain like vernacular that you guys could use that he could pick right up on, and yeah, that. I would be lost because if there was any slang involved, uh, I wouldn't know what certain things were. That if you're British, it's like common knowledge and and you know common things. But to somebody else, you'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah. So, and then, yeah, uh, I, I get it. So, so moving on, uh, this game, right? What is it, Cal? You're the you're the fucking games master here. What is it? The quiz master. Okay, so it's called Would I Lie to You? Jesus. Let me knock the fucking panel at me. Show. Is that, is someone give me a dust off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd will be given two lies and a truth about Gavin, and he's got to pick out which is the truth, and then vice versa with Gavin about Todd. Um, the aim of the game is that you, the truth, you're trying to, you try and throw them off the scent. So you try to make the truth as elaborate as it can be, so you can they, they make it harder for them to. So to basically, guess which bas- one it is. basically, like, so you're going to read out the th- three scenarios: one's real and two are fake. So yeah. you read out like you read out all three, and then so Todd's going to like Todd will then choose one of them and then ask me to explain it. He can ask you questions about every single scenario, and you've got to answer them. Okay, and then after after a certain time, but he's got to try and ask you questions that will trip you up so we'll guess which one you're lying okay, about. Okay, I get you now, yeah, I get you. Okay. And then with the truth, you've got to try and make it more elaborate so we'll put them off the scent. But okay. you can't lie, obviously, you've got to Okay, so this, so this is going to be hard for us because this is on the spot, so like he could ask me about something, he could ask me about one of the lies and I've then got to make it up on the spot as if it, I know about what it was and it actually happened. Exactly, yes. God. <laughs> got it. All right, this will be entertaining. We've got to play this with Craig at some point. <laughs> so after a certain time I'll say right you've got to pick your truth so your your aim is to trip Gavin up and okay. vice versa and <clears throat> when you are talking about the truth you've got to try and make it harder for them okay to spot that that's the truth okay yeah so now this is so going to be the interesting want... thing here is, is Kelly's a giggler so I, I'd be interested to see how Kelly does now because she she might read out your questions, Todd, and she might giggle a little bit, and that's going to give it away to me. So she's got to work very hard not to break and start giggling. Well, I was I was all right until you mentioned that. Now what a laugh! Oh well, well we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You 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 picked the lies, didn't you? So we'll we'll see what you picked. I, mean, I did. I did pick the lies. So the, just to <laughs> let the listeners know, this is the first time both Todd and Gavin are actually hearing the lie. Yeah. They've really got to be put on the spot. Okay, so I'm going to do um, give Todd three facts about Gavin and then let him quiz Gavin and then okay. I'll give Gavin the three questions about Todd I'll let Todd, and we'll go like that. Okay, Hi. so Todd. Yes. Um, Gavin was once in a crowd scene as an extra on a British TV show and he had to kiss the person next to him. Oh. Fact two. Okay. Whilst travelling around Europe with a friend, 
basically came up, they, they run out of money and they had to come up with an idea, um, which they did to make money on a beach. Okay. Fact three. Gavin was once bitten, almost, sorry, almost bitten on the head by a giraffe. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, first of all, what was the name of the guy you had to kiss on a TV show? Well, funnily enough, actually, it wasn't a guy. Your name was Ava Louise, and it was a, it was okay. a small, it was a small TV show. Um, it's called. What was, what was the name of the show? It's called Taxi Run, and uh, Taxi Run. Okay. Taxi Run, yeah, as in you know taxis. And yeah, I get you. I, I know what a fucking taxi is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um. Where where were you when you uh, were almost bitten by a giraffe? I was in Bush Gardens in Florida. What, uh, what city in Florida? Bush Gardens is in oh God. This isn't me making it up now. This I'm trying to literally trying to think here now. Um, <laughs> it, well, Tampa. I'm going to say Tampa. You would be correct, sir. Oh, there okay. you go then. It's in Tampa, Florida. Um, and uh, what beach? Sorry, I'm on mute laughing me at them. <laughs> oh, God. What? That's okay. What beach were you on with your friend, and what did you do to make money? It was Newbury Beach in Shropshire. And what was the second question, sorry? What did you have to do to make the money? What did you have to do? It was metal detecting. Metal detecting. Yep. You just happen to you happen to be lost, and to make money, you just whip the metal detector out and skim, skim comb the fucking beach looking for shit. Well, so. you see, you're making up the rest of the story there. I never said that. <laughs> I know, but it, I, it just seems a little far fetched. <laughs> 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 okay. So, uh, How many I'm, questions I'm does he that. get? Oh, you're guessing I, now. I'm guessing now. I, I'm just. I just okay. One question per. Just to kind of figure okay. it out. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, that the first one is the truth. You were on a TV show and you had to kiss somebody. And who's, is, do I tell him if that's true or false? Yeah. That would be false. Oh. <laughs> Good work, Gavin. It was a, it was a, gira- it was a giraffe. Um, that basically, I was we were in Bush Gardens and uh, it was a safari thing. So you go through and there's giraffes and they get they get them to come over to the you know the truck or the lorry whatever yep. you call it like it's an open flatbed thing. And uh, they had like giant leaves. I don't know what it was lettuce or something. And he put the guy put one on my head to get the giraffe to come over and eat it, and it did. <clears throat> some of my ear was like stuck to you see in the picture. Some of my ear stuck to the lettuce. So he didn't actually chop me hair off, but he could have ripped it out of my head. He could have even bit me wow. head. I actually thought it was quite dangerous, really. So that's the, that's the true story. And the reason why I said metal detecting on the beach was because because she said the first one, you, you had to kiss someone. I'm thinking, shit, I'm going to have to come up with a name quick. So I got a piece of paper and wrote down a name very, very quickly. Ava Louise. Needed to think of a show quickly. Taxi run. So while I'm doing all that, I missed what she said. So I'm like, I don't know what the fucking second one was now, and I can't ask because then I sound like... I d- so I just had to wing it. So when you were like, what were you doing on the beach? I went, metal detecting. And then you were like, how do you make money doing that? And I'm thinking, make money? Is that what you said? <laughs> well, I knew that was bullshit. I knew you said uh, metal detector. And I'm like, how would you just so happen to have a metal detector? So. <laughs> well, I could have said, if you'd, if, if, if you'd have, if I already had the next bit made up. So if you, because you said, what did you do to make money? I was going to say, well, 
there was an old man there who seemed a bit senile with a metal detector and I didn't know how to use it and I had a little bit of expertise because my uncle is into it so I actually helped him out a little bit and he gave me $20 or £20 uh-huh. So that was going to be, yeah, there you go. We would have got out of it that way, but never mind. You didn't ask the next question. (laughs) Okay. See, I'm loving this round already. (laughs) Right, compose yourself. Right, Gavin, this is your three facts about Todd. Bang them out quick, go on. (laughs) Okay, fact one. Todd was once vice president of his high school. Fact two. Todd's first job was dressing up as a lobster to promote the restaurant Red Lobster. Fact three, his prom date was his pen pal from West Virginia. Okay. Um, so where was the Red Lobster? Lancaster, Ohio. Okay. Um, so why did you get picked to be vice president? What, what was it? Why, how did you win that one? Well, because I, as you know, I'm interested in politics, have been my whole life, and I wanted to run, but I, I didn't get the president because I lost out on kind of a popularity contest on someone that was more popular. So I guess as a consolation, they chose me for vice president in case something happened to him. Okay. And um, the pen pal one, what was your pen pal's name? Heather Baker. Interesting. Same name as your wife. It's funny, that. I know a lot of Heathers. Oh, do you? Okay, well, yeah. I think I'm ready to guess anyway. So, first okay. of all, um, the Red Lobster one, I think, is bullshit. Um, <laughs> the, fa- the fact, you, the fact you, you went, you sounded very confident when you went, well, as you know, I'm into politics. And I thought, he is into politics. It's that one. So, I think it's that one because, also, you seem, you seem like you probably were a little bit of an underdog in school. So... I imagine it probably was that one because I imagine you were probably quite quiet. I've seen pictures of you when you were younger and you look like somebody that would probably wouldn't speak up too much. Um, but you've made up for it now in later life. And uh, Red Lobster, I just, funnily enough, I can't see you doing that. I thought that was, I thought the Red Lobster thing was bullshit because at first I was thinking, well, there is no lobsters, there is no um, Red Lobsters in Maine. And then I thought, well, you didn't grow up in Maine. At least I don't think there's any in Maine. Am I right? Uh, Red Lobster restaurants. There yeah. may be one down in Portland, but if, uh, if See, there I, is, there's only. I had I had heard <laughs> that there's no Red Lobsters anywhere near close to the ocean. That's what I'd heard. It's all it's all could inner be, states, like true. yeah. Anyway, so am I right? Is it the vice president one? You sir would be correct. There you go. But on a side note, there is a Red Lobster in Lancaster, Ohio. <laughs> but okay. I did not work there. I did eat there quite often, but I've never worked there. And I did, I did have a pen pal named Heather Baker, <laughs> but she was stationed with her family in Germany at the time, and it was for an eighth grade project. We got pen pals, and I chose this girl because I like the sound of her name, and we actually wrote letters back and forth for about six months, and I never heard from her again. So. <laughs> I was joking with Gavin when we – I said, what if I write down a line exactly in truth because I just don't know Todd as well? <laughs> <laughs> I went, I'm leaving that one there. But uh, the true story about me becoming vice president, there was um, a group of guys, and they were being sexist. They didn't want any girls to hold any offices. So the 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 guy that became president was now he's a very successful guy, and he's actually on the school board of the school that I attended. 
And so he was, I'm like, yeah, you're a better leader than I am. So they pretty much said, you'll be vice president. This guy's going to be treasurer. This guy's going to be secretary. And we just kind of was like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> there was no like big election or anything, but um, it was that, that Mike Lucas, the man who was a class president, was a, a wee bit more popular than I was. But but I've always been a, a loudmouth asshat. That's never changed. I was never a quiet kid. <laughs> I've always been loud and obnoxious. Well, I'm just, I'm just talking about that one picture where you're really, really skinny. And I, oh, I, I, it got posted. Really I, I seen that, and I was like, "Because it doesn't even look like you. It doesn't look because <laughs> obviously you were younger. Everyone looks different when you were younger, anyway. Right. And obviously you've beefed up since then. So I just I thought maybe that was a reflection of what you were like. Maybe you were a little bit quieter. I know I was quieter. If you can imagine that, you know, and I'm only a thin guy. So I thought maybe it was a. But I got it right anyway. So with Red Lobster, that that seems a bit downscale to me for Red Lobster to get somebody to dress up to try and get business. Is that is that something they do? Oh, probably in Lancaster would be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly a fancy restaurant. No, it's not fancy, but it's not like you know, it's not your fucking greasy greasy. Yeah, it ain't spoon, like Dick's Crab Shack. You know? Yeah, I made that up. I have no idea if that's what they do. <laughs> I was trying to think of something that's American. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good stretch. We we would do something like that. It's a scene from One Tree Hill. I'm not going to lie, I stole it. Oh, for oh, God's geez. sake. The game's robbed. The bloody lies are robbed. Is there any truth to it? <laughs> Todd was vice president. That's right. <laughs> so that pretty, much, that pretty much concludes our episode. So we will just give out the information like we always do. Like I just said, you yeah. go to majorsmessall.com. That, that needs to be fixed. So if you go there, you will find that there's photos on there that do not feature Todd. That's because Todd hasn't always been uh, one of our hosts. It was somebody else right. uh, called Scott who's no longer with us. Um, he didn't die, but he's moved on. Well, you're no longer with us. That usually means... I know, it I know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no longer with the podcast. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then go to our Instagram page is uh, at Mess Hall Podcast, and then Twitter is at Majors Mess Hall. Facebook, you just search Majors Mess Hall and you follow us on there. And then the Patreon page, if you want to become one of our patrons and uh, donate what you can monthly to us, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash Majors Mess Hall. Isn't it fucking interminable reading out fucking email addresses and web addresses and stuff? Fucking nightmare. Yeah, that's why I don't do it. You can also email us as well. It's um, I think it's oh, what is the email address? It's at Majors Mess no at podcast. No, I don't even know. Majors Mess Hall at I don't even fucking know. I think it's podcast <laughs> at Majors Mess Hall dot com. Like there's that. a link on the actual website. Go to the link. You yeah, can email yeah, yeah. There. There's a there's a there's a thing on the website you can send a message to us. So do that as well if you want. If you're a new listener, just reach out. Let us know you're listening. We'll give you a shout yeah, out you on the episode. Message us on uh, Facebook Messenger or whatever, and we read those. Yeah. Because all of our phones are attached to the Messenger, so yeah. and one of us will reply. Yeah. So you know, because we're good with the fans, because we appreciate the support and the love that we get from everybody. We like having them on once in a while and chatting with them. Yeah, exactly. And we appreciate all the love and support, especially the patrons. So you know, we really appreciate everything that you guys give and help keeping us able to do what we do so thank you so much we love y'all yeah and also thank you to kelly as well for <clears throat> stepping into craig shoes to help us out with the intro and outro and obviously the interview as well kelly's done quite a few interviews with us as well so far and uh, we like the dynamic so you know sometimes it'll be me and kelly sometimes me and todd sometimes me kelly and todd like it's just it's working right. really well so uh so yeah just thank you very much kel for for coming up with that game as well 
because that was uh, okay. that was fun. fun. Do we like the game? Thanks, yeah, yeah. thanks, thanks so much even, for stealing even though it. I got beat like a pinata. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Oh, God. Oh. Anyway, it's time to it's time to wrap up the episode. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and we will be yep. back in a few weeks uh, with uh, episode 128. So um, I don't know if we'll have a guest or not, but if not, we'll have some awesome games planned and stuff. So stay tuned, and we will be back. And we're actually going to play out this episode with one of the tracks from Declan's new album, which is being released on Bandcamp on July 31st for two weeks, and then it's going to go on to iTunes and Spotify, etc. Um, two weeks after that. Um, so anyway, this song is called... This is one of my favourite songs. This is a live version of um, Zed's and Q's, and it's from his brand-new album, which is called Live and Aloud. So uh, check it out. Thank you again to Declan Bennett for, for joining us. And yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. Dun, dun, dun. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs> um, just want someone will, woo, like that. It reminded me of... That's one, of, that's one thing we don't do in England. Like, you know, you go to a concert or you go somewhere. No, we, we go, woo, like that. But we don't go, it's <laughs> the other one, ow! <laughs> so American. You, like, you just you don't hear it in England. Ow! Yeah. Great, we've got that all night now. <laughs> ow! Ow! Come on, get out. Just a big one. No more. <laughs> okay, this is uh, this is another track from um, from this latest record that I put out. <laughs> the timing is fantastic. I made my bed. <laughs> I go lighting it. Um, so, I guess I was trying to with this song like capture uh, the universal uh, th- uh, feeling of. I guess head fuck is the, is the nearest term to, to describe it. But that feeling of like, it's kind of like when you have an argument with somebody and then you walk away and you're like, I wish I said that. And you think of everything like after, after the time. And there's times when there's things like expected of you or you're expected to be a certain way or say a certain thing and your brain just stops working. And uh, that was a long-winded explanation, but... Um, this is uh, Zeds and Qs.
walk you out I'm somebody stop me So walk it all out Just find a way. 